Hello, and welcome to Industry Elites. On this podcast, Industry Elite's very own Natalie and Vicky are going to be interviewing business owners and individuals who have made their mark in their respective industries. Media has about 150 sites within their network that they own and operate, as well as being the creator of more than 40 different traffic products, including Contextual.com and Intextual.com. The company's goal is to help clients get excellent ROIs without using Facebook or Google. They innovate using AI and machine learning to reach target audiences and get more from every advertisement. everyone and welcome to this week's episode of Industry Elites. We're very excited to have founder and president of Ad Media, Danny Bibby, joining us today on the podcast. How are you doing today, Danny? Thank you so much for coming on. Doing well. Thanks for having me. Yes, we're super excited to have you as I'm sure like most of us, we've been on quite the roller coaster over the past uh, two, two and a half years that's led us down a lot of a different path than we thought. So how has it been for you kind of transitioning from COVID realm to things kind of getting back to normal? Do you feel like the norm is coming back or do you still feel like things are up in the air for you guys? Uh, there's definitely a lot of uh, opportunity. Um, I would say missed opportunities. Uh, at the same time, everything's kind of coming back to the way it was or the new norm. Um, and the new norm is you know, allowing, um, you know, allowing folks to to work remote and at the same time trying to meet with colleagues and and other folks that we've worked with over the past 20 years and trying to set up uh, meetings and and getting FaceTime has been uh, somewhat difficult because uh, a lot of folks are really um, not really open to meetings at this point still and so there is that barrier Uh, but going back to uh, going back to a post kind of if you can call it post-COVID but the new normal um, and actually, there's a, a lot of super spreaders out there still with COVID. But I mean, from our standpoint, we're doing the best we can um, to get out there and try try not to let it affect us uh, like it did over the past two years. Um, and trying to get some FaceTime with um, you know clients that we have and relationships relationships that we've had over the past two decades. Would you find that not only internally, like trying to navigate your team, uh, do you find that customers or sorry clients are a bit more hesitant in the beginning to go through I guess you could say what's normal now but wasn't normal in the beginning if clients were more hesitant to rely more heavily on video calls because I know personally for us we were kind of struggling with to try to get clients on board with you know are we doing zoom are we doing google me do we have slack did you find that was an issue as well definitely it's a hundred percent and and everyone has our own uh, specific requirements. Um, so, you know, Microsoft Teams, Google Hangout, and then Google Meets and a bunch of other products like Zoom. So having to jump from one system to another system and, uh, you know, at, at some point, a lot of a lot of folks are not really open to it um, just because um, they're just fatigued with doing all the video calls and, and everyone's looking for that face-to-face time or FaceTime. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, definitely have that barrier. And, and that's always been an issue across the board for not just internal teams that we have here, but for uh, external partners as well. It's definitely a lot of added layers of pressure that I feel like nobody experienced prior. Now people being at home, you would think, oh, okay, it's a little more lax, but then you experience pressures on other sides of things because you feel like, oh gosh, we're not in the office. We have to work harder. A lot of us are relying obviously 
on our work and, and the jobs we're able to complete. So it's interesting, the balance between the two of them. So to kind of start us off here, um, maybe you can give a bit of an intro from your perspective in regards to where the idea of ad media came from. Sure. Um, you know, so we've been in the space since 93. Um, so it's been a long journey. Uh, I've been personally in the space since 93. Um, so ad media has been around for over 20 years, uh, two decades. Um, the, the first, uh, you know, I guess phase of ad media was owned and operated properties and sites. So, you know, going back to the early nineties has really been domain renewal, domain um, registration and building out our own properties, built out a lot of our own client facing properties, owned a little bit over 150,000 sites that are built out with content and community. Um, so that's where we started from is in the domain space and, and then really building out our product offerings uh, that are cross channel and cross uh, device uh, for publishers. Uh, what's what's essentially happened with ad media is we've built a lot of various products, about 40 or 50 different products. A lot of it's been homegrown, built from the ground up. It's our own technology, our own tech stack, if you will. Um, it's not really, it's not layered uh, across any other platform. It's not white labeled from anybody else's platform. And, you know, a lot of mergers and acquisitions over the past two decades uh, with a lot of internet companies going out of business, right? And we've been able to acquire them and incorporate their technology into our tech stack uh, and making it our own. So that's uh, that's exciting. It's helped us grow over, over the years. Um, and really the core focus is finding troubles or problems that brands have and, and agencies have and solving them. So we've had the contextual.com technology for over two decades, our own crawler, uh, being able to, tar- to, to target and users cross device and cross channel without cookies. So it's something that we've been we've been doing for over twenty years. But at the end of the day, we're we're actually it's coming to fruition now, where cookies are going away. And so that the technology that we built a decade and a half ago is really something that uh, is useful now, even today. Um, so it's it's kind of a evolution of sorts from the various products that we built and technology that we built and giving that towards the various brands and agencies that are having issues or problems. And so that's, that's really the, the concept uh, around ad media is you know, pro- solving problems within advertising media. That's the goal. So there's definitely a lot of layers to the business um, that you're in, and especially with ad media as the company is growing and reaching new revenues and avenues, acquiring different businesses as well. Um, Curious, what drove you to pursue the line, the like this line of work in digital marketing? Uh, you definitely seem to know you know your stuff. Uh, so, just curious how you kind of started there and what led you on that journey. Yeah, so I guess you know from the starting point, it it was really more of a uh, the commercialization of the internet. Uh, I was uh, when everything was really just starting out when Google was was not really even Google yet, uh, just starting out. Uh, and in that process of being there at the forefront and being part of the online online advertising community, so yeah, that's that's how it started. Is really the domain piece and uh, being at the forefront at, at its uh, inception. Well, it's definitely grown as you've said a lot from there from that start point. But uh, we're interested to know as well: were there certain things that you considered before starting your own business? Like, were there some main obstacles that you kind of had to overcome right from the start or some objections, sorry, that you had for yourself? Yeah. So I I would say the number one issue uh, going back and forth with, uh, especially in the internet space and just in the tech space or ad tech space in general was 
um, you know, whether you do a grassroots approach and grow a real sustainable business that, that that's a real business, or do you do this VC private equity fundraising dance uh, where you do various series <laughs> series of rounds of funding and try to try to grow a business that way. And so that's been something we've struggled for over the past two decades, but we definitely made the right choice going moving forward with the homegrown kind of grassroots building a sustainable real business. Uh, you don't need money to make money. You really need to just have a vision and a drive to, to make, uh, to get to that, to get to that achievement. So that's, uh, that's what I can say about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely for, so we all know digital marketing and the digital world through social media, um, how we've gotten away from print, just kind of everything major. I'd say that's happened, I would say 15 years, but even in the last like three, it's been major. Um, what parts of the industry that you're in do you feel, or even just the business, do you feel that has the strongest growth over the years? And what do you think is going to be maybe not necessarily in 2022, but the future and beyond, what do you think is going to either continue to grow or be a new development? Sure. Um, so I would think I would say it's really having the ability, ability to look cross team and cross channel. Uh, so having integrated teams, not so much siloed based off of, uh, for example, uh, head of media or VP of media who's just strictly doing social and not really working with the search team or working with other folks on other teams um, within the brand. Um, and having it siloed is something that's going to go away. I think it, the, the goal is going to be just an integrated team. At the end of the day, you can leverage all these channels. And if you have the ability to align that to a profile uh, of a user, um, it doesn't really matter if they're coming in through social media, search, display, video, or other channels. The profile of the user and the first-party data is what's valuable here. And so what we've done on our end is we've looked at, um, you know, we've built our own DMP with our first-party data, uh, building profiles on users, and we have over 220 million user profiles within the U.S. So uh, what do we need to do for this user to gain access to this user, to get in front of this user, to essentially provide the brand with brand recognition, uh, quality inventory, but at the end of the day, provide the lower funnel uh, cost per lead and performance uh, that, that that brand is looking to achieve, but not specifically just being siloed to, let's say, social, right? The user's looking at content on a page, they're about to purchase something, they have a credit card out. We want to be in front of that user. We don't want to wait and just strictly wait for them to go back onto social media to try to target them, but try to try to um, get in front of them in, in the time of when they're actually in that activity and in market. And I, th- and I think that's, that's what's going to change is a lot of companies are going to see that, uh, with having access to companies like us who look, who has a fully integrated solution and having that ability gives them to have all their team members come together and brainstorm and come up with the number one objective, which is basically driving revenue for the brand and brand awareness. Do you think kind of just going off your point for team collaboration and I guess what the future holds, do you think this metaverse um, kind of online work from home thing is really going to pick up? Like we're all going to be little sim avatars working in our online office. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 well, I think it's, it definitely is going to spun up new um, revenue opportunities. So if you just look at the NFT space now where, you know, you can build a piece of art or an avatar and then post it, mint it uh, using Ethereum or any other 
any other uh, crypto and then have the ability to market it, right? So you're essentially marketing that and you're trying to get a user to purchase it. Uh, there is value in that in the sense that, you know, art collectors are saying you own that piece of uh, piece of art, but at the end of the day, there's going to be burnout as well. So I, I don't, I don't envision it, you know, unless COVID is going to be around forever, right? At some point, it, hopefully COVID will go away, but if it's going to stay around forever, it'll lead to the growth of the metaverse. But at the same time, I feel like there's, there's opportunity there for new businesses to be spun out, which is evident in, in like NFTs and other crypto from our standpoint, uh, there's opportunity to build and, and promote, uh, different NFTs in order to generate additional um, additional value and new, new businesses will emerge off of that. Yeah, definitely. I was playing around, actually, it's <laughs> on TikTok the other day. I saw the <laughs> Oculus chat where you can go in and you can pick an avatar and you can go into these um, chat rooms, but they're so themed. Like I saw one and it was like a club basically. And everybody was dressed up as their avatar and you could go from your living room and basically go to the club, which I just thought was what a time to be alive. <laughs> you know what Got I mean? It. Like All these things sitting in your pajamas, but really I'm at the bar having a drink. <laughs> Literally in a fake Berlin setting with people from Japan. Like, it's just so wild to think of. Like, if you told me this when I was six, I would never believe you. I'd be like, what Star Wars movie have you been watching? Because there's just, it's just the, it's just so neat. Because I feel like even if we do get past COVID, which I truly hope we do, I feel like a lot of these technologies like this are going to stick around because we've kind of gotten so used to I guess being hermits for a lack of a better word. So it'd be really interesting to see if these kind of metaverse and these um, AR kind of things take off just to see. Um, that being said, we took the positive side of the future. Is there anything you would change about the industry coming through either right now or something that you could see just to would be a huge fail in the future? I think, um, you know, having the transparency in terms of, you know, uh, payment processing uh, as it relates to online advertising. Uh, it's something that is not really being looked at. Um, and having that transparency of, you know, placing ads, purchasing ads, and giving the brand the power to, to understand where their ads are placed, like leveraging crypto and payments to make it more of a real-time process is something that's, that's missing. Uh, and I think uh, the technolo- all the technology you mentioned could be leveraged to uh, to solve that problem as well. That's something that's not being looked at at all. That's something that I'm hopeful that will come out and, and people will, someone will innovate that and be a part of that within the crypto space. I'm sure we will get there at some point as we were just talking about. We've It's grown exponentially in terms of like what we thought was possible and achievable. And we're like, oh, that's not happening to where we are now. We're like, okay, those things that we thought couldn't really happen, have happened. So here we are. Um, and it was interesting when you're talking about like brand, trans- like payment transparency and like um, brand identity. Cause I know with a lot of the, the uh, norms now, people are really leaning towards online shopping more than ever before. And I know you were mentioning the use of social media and how you were looking at brands to grow 
larger than just relying on their socials for those business like returns. But would you say that you've seen that exponential growth in terms of like social media marketing because it is so easy to purchase things? 100%. So it's really being a, it's a part of the whole in market pro- uh, prospecting or perspective, right? So if you have a profile on the user and you know they're an in market, meaning they've done research on a particular product or service, uh, and then you find that user on TikTok or on Instagram or anywhere. Uh, and you have a direct connection to that and you have that direct call coming in from that user profile that you can initially, you can essentially dish up an ad directly to that user in real time to get them to click through and purchase as opposed to waiting for them, like you said, to search for the, to the, for the product's website, try to find it, try to find a deal. And then, you know, you can, you can put all that together for them and get them at the moment of of purchase of, of intent. Definitely. So would you say like when we're looking at this from like a large perspective, how it's grown in terms of consumers and businesses and buying products, why do you think that is like, what is the great appeal to us as individuals that we need things as soon as we can get them? Because I feel like that's is that's how we're continuing to go. Like we think, okay, great. We will go through a drive through because we don't want to go inside or we're ordering skip the dishes because now we don't even want to drive to the place. Like what is it about us as individuals that like we need something the easiest way we can get it? Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like, like you said, it's like the ad- uh, on-demand culture. That's really what's happened. So like Postmate, everything is, you know, Uber, Postmate, everything's on-demand, right? Um, so it's, it's a situation, there's an app for everything. You can You can order it and, I think it's just ease of use, right? People don't want to be bothered with having to do any work. <laughs> they want to just basically they want to they want to press a button and have everything you know provided for them for that particular service or good. And so it's the same process here with with at- online advertising, where we already know what they want and just put it in front of them, as opposed to having uh, force them to you know scour the web to try to find the the product that they're looking for. Uh, or solution they're looking for to take uh, remove that that uh, that guesswork um, out from them, and I think that's kind of the value add that we bring to the, to the to the space. Kind of taking that DMP first party data, and then you know really riding the train with uh, with being being part of that whole on demand kind of culture. Yeah, I must say it was definitely a thing that I struggled with unlearning. Um, I used to live in a downtown city core. I had, you know, Amazon same day, uh, skip the dishes, all of them at my fingertips, quite literally. Um, And I've since, you know, the mass exodus of COVID, I've moved to a small town in the country. There's only a handful, 7,000 people. Like, we don't have skip the dishes. We don't have Uber Eats. We don't have Uber. Um, I'm not even... one pizza place. I'm not even... Actually, no, we have eight pizza places necessary. Oh, I know. pizza's hot over there. I know. I don't know why we have eight pizza places. But um, that is something I had to severely unlearn. And I'm not going to mm-hmm. lie. It, Just. it was a... It was a pro- I was getting emails from Uber going like, what did we do wrong? You haven't taken an Uber in a while. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's a be- culture shock for sure. It yeah. is. And honestly, and like they don't have delivery here. Just even like pizza places don't have because you can go the whole town in like three minutes to drive. Like they just don't have it. And it's, and it's become a whole thing for me. Even with Amazon, I get next day. And I'm like, this is archaic. This is barbaric. Like, right. <laughs> it's just... 24 hours is too long. Seriously, I can't do this. Seriously. And it's just so funny how we, we get so accustomed and trained to. Um, 
And even the other day, for example, I ordered something from Home Depot and it said it was going to take, I think it was four to five days. And I'm like, Amazon would have got it to me tomorrow. Like, just so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's true. Like, it's just so funny how we get so accustomed to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, asking you to get out your crystal ball, do you think we are going to maybe eventually hit a peak on that and level out or do you think it's going to get to the point where elon musk aspirations where we're going to have our tap chips in our wrists and everything is on demand like do you feel that socially yeah if you yeah, look at it from uh, from a perspective of you know we reach out to a client and we want to want to do a in the past you know more of like a pre-COVID, uh, hey, we want to set up a virtual lunch and learn. We want, to, we want to meet with you and have lunch. Everyone's kind of was open to that. It's always in person. Now it's all virtual. So it's a virtual lunch and learns and virtual meetings. Um, you know, you have, you have to get them the DoorDash codes and then they order it to their home. Uh, and then from there, get online and then talk to you about what, what uh, the latest and greatest uh, changes we've done and where we are as a company and where we're going. But I think a lot of folks are kind of not looking to do that either. They're, they're at a point where they're burned out from the virtual lunch and learns. People want to meet in person. So I think at some point from, from a human, human perspective, uh, you're not, you're going to have, uh, you know, I would say at some point, uh, maybe not at that this minute, but at some point, a lot of folks are just going to be done with that. And they, they're going to want to meet uh, direct and have that uh, human interaction, social interaction, as opposed to just doing everything through Zoom or having us or others send them the DoorDash codes or Postmate codes and having them order uh, themselves lunch online and kind of being completely a hermit, I guess you can call it that, um, (laughs) in their house and and having us pitch them or talk to them about what we're doing or what changes we've done or kind of an account overview um, via, you know, Zoom and then, you know, for them to get their DoorDash, uh, DoorDash to deliver their lunches. So, I think uh, we've seen a lot of post back, pushback now where a lot of folks are just saying, hey, that's great. We've done, you know, 10 different virtual uh, virtual lunches. When, when are we going to meet? When can we meet? You know, I'm vaccinated. You're vaccinated. When can we meet? So that's kind of the trend now. That's what we're seeing. Uh, and I hope it uh, kind of evolves into that. And I guess the Elon Musk thing, uh, you know, yeah, obviously that's that that's the goal and the ambition, right? To put a chip in everyone's <laughs> everyone's <laughs> hand. So I mean, that's that's uh, that would be crazy. Yeah, but I guess crazier things have happened. <laughs> yeah, at this exactly. point, honestly, like if they were like, yeah, we're regulating chips in your wrist tomorrow, like your Apple Watch is literally going to be embedded in your skin. I'd be like, all right, probably easier. <laughs> People would right. lose their minds, like. In- and I don't know. That would just be like I feel like a choice of like, hey, if you want to make your life easier, here you go. And other people would just kind of not follow suit if they didn't want to. But like, yeah, that would be something. I'd be first in line. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just I am like, I mean, especially if it's <laughs> gonna sound so bad, but especially if it was done by Apple, because I am an Apple product. Lover. Uh, Yeah, I am highly addicted. But what I like about it is everything works, like, congruently in one system. Mm -hmm. Because I find that's the biggest issue with things today is, like, we've we've talked about earlier. Is this meeting on Zoom? Are we doing it on Google Meets? Are we doing it on, like, I find that there's so many options these days that I like just having everything in one unit. So if I could just... one-stop shop. Exactly. If I could do everything 
with like a tap of the wrist or like that episode of Black Mirror where everyone has a screen that they can see like through their eyes that no one else can see, I would sign up for that. (laughs) (laughs) All about futuristic stuff around here, that's for sure. So uh, just kind of going back to how we're talking about different styles of marketing and ways that you can obviously gain your customers more effectively in helping businesses to do so. What would you say to um, a business that was approaching you in terms of answering the question of like, what are the main differences between focusing on like mobile marketing versus like regular search marketing? So like, is there any differences or are there not? Is it pretty much universal? Uh, I think there's a ton of differences. I think that the the activity on a user is completely different. The intent of the user is completely different. Um, you know, it dep- and it all comes back down to the brand and what the business is about. And what I mean by that is, is there historical uh, data they have for various campaigns they've done? Is it a mature brand where they've uh, they've run for several years and they already know what their cost per lead is or their cost per sale is or the rollouts go up? So if they have historical trend data they can share with us of what they've done. We can, we can outperform the current vendors that they're working on. I think it's really based off of, you know, what's the intent. So for example, we had uh, local car dealerships. We have about 10 million um, um, SDK installs on mobile devices. So what we've done for a particular uh, car dealership, uh, who's a mature brand, right? So they're looking to, to target users who are uh, on the mobile devices in a specific geo area uh, and get them to essentially drive into a car lot, speak to a dealer, set up an appointment. So we're able to target that user within a specific DMA as we know that they're in market looking for a car on the go uh, and get them to actually drive into that dealership and set up an appointment with the dealer and speak to the dealer. So that's really, it's really based off the brand at the end of the day and a lot of folks that, that we, we work with who aren't mature brands or maybe even startups, uh, they don't have any of that data, right? They don't really know what's going to work, what's not going to work. They have uh, guesstimates of what they think would work, but they don't really have proof positive data. Um, so it, it, again, it just depends on the brand and, and how long they've been around and what type of historical big da- data they have that they can share with us for us to uh, provide recommendations of what we can do uh, within our um, profile of channels as well as profile of users. Do you think that if we were to go, I don't know, let's let's say we've ran out of boomers, we've we've moved past that generation. Do you think that we would switch mostly to somewhat tablet and mobile? Because I just think like we, you said, like uh, online banking, for example. My parents did not want to do it on the computer, let alone their phone for years. Now I've got them on their phone and they're still kind of leery about it. And I just feel like, like kind of my generation and younger, we're like, whatever, like I'm doing it. You know what I mean? There's that, that, that mentality. It's easy. It's accessible. It is. And we don't have that like, oh my God, someone's going to steal my, my stuff because I just, for me personally, I go, if I get extra charges on my visa, that wasn't me. I go, hello, visa. That wasn't me. And it's dealt with. You know what I mean? It's like, do you right. feel like we'll eventually outgrow that stigma? Or do you think it'll just be replaced maybe with something else? I think we'll outgrow it. I think it's just a matter of time. I think right now there are, you're absolutely right. There are folks that who, who are more liked, likely to be on a desktop. It's just easy, easier for use uh, as opposed to, you know, when I mentioned Forms and lead gen um, when they're providing financial info, they might not have that all to, 
with them at, at a particular time on their tablet or when they're on the go on their mobile device. So they really want to sit down, pull all the data together and, and do it on their desktops, more of convenience and ease, ease of use. Uh, but in terms of using, utilizing technology and being, you know, utilizing apps or logging onto your bank account, I think that's definitely going to be, uh, you know, obviously everyone's going to move to that at some point. So as the generations move on, for sure. Yeah, it's funny when you think of that because when you're younger and you'd had we had these apps that had started, and then your parents were always like, "Oh my gosh, okay, don't go on these if you're not at home because if you're on someone else's like Wi-Fi or network, and then they get hacked, and like it just snowballed into this large internet conspiracy." Where I'm like, at this point, if all this stuff isn't like highly secured, anything can happen. Right. So obviously, in your field, there's uh, a lot of people who I'm sure are skeptics, and a lot of people who. Uh, don't maybe believe in the process or think they have a better formula, whatever the case may be. Is there something you could say is like one of the biggest misconceptions people have about like the digital marketing space? Yeah, I think I, I would say the main the main misconception is people feel like it's not not everything is measurable. Um, meaning, uh, you know, they say you know you buy you buy display impressions or you're buying video impressions, but it's not really measurable. You don't really know if you're getting your value out of it because it's just impressions and people see your video. But in in all reality, it's a hundred. It's the most measurable, uh, you know, form of advertising there is because users saw this ad, saw this display, got impre- impressed on their browser, or saw this video, or did a search and saw this search ad, and they click through. Uh, or they went back uh, as an assisted conversion and went back to the site and they did purchase the product, fill out the lead and generate the sale. Uh, and it was all because they saw this at initial ad. So it's 100% measurable end to end. And I think that's a real misconception is um, a lot of marketers out there are about selling products and, and, and results. But at the end of the day, they, they don't feel they don't understand the fact that everything is 100% measurable. Uh, it's not just about eyeballs and impressions, but it's about actually hitting that lower funnel goal and hitting and having a positive uh, ROI, right? So positive PNL, positive ROI, positive cash flow. So that's really it. All comes back down to having that measurable um, action and having some kind of accountability for the measurable action end to end, and that's and that's what we provide here uh, at Ad Media. Beauty. So kind of with. I guess all the offerings that ad media says in its own name um, that they offer. Um, why why should businesses be using ads to promote themselves? Um, is that something? I mean, it's been a long around since I guess the beginning of B two B really or B two C. Is that something that you could see changing in the future, or do you think it's almost going to be like? I don't know if you've seen Ultra Carbon, but get into that next level of ads. Um, do you think that that is something that's going to be important forever, and that business should businesses, sorry, should establish themselves now to keep that going? I think I think um, businesses out there are, are all have their own um, idea of how they want to market, and everyone's going to do some form of advertising. Um, but I think one of the main um, misconceptions and one of the main um, points that advertisers and businesses are, are missing is the fact that they don't have access to all the first party data of user profiles and they don't really know who the actual users are out there who will purchase their product. They have an idea of what the demographics are or what type of users are looking for, but they can't, they can't just throw an ad out there and then hope for, for the right person to see it and click through and purchase. 
they need that targeting. Um, and so the winners are going to be, uh, and the value add really is, is folks like ad media who actually have a profile on those users. So we know, you know, out of the 200 plus million user profiles we have, we know what their users intent are, what they're looking for, what they're in market for, what their FICO score is, what their uh, salaries, what kind of type of salaries they're generating, what type of industry they're in. That, that level of data is really critical prior to just, you know, buying an ad or, or coming up with an ad campaign. Uh, without that, you're just kind of just shooting in the dark where it's like, okay, yeah, I could spend a thousand dollars on an ad here or spend $200 there, but Am I, am I reaching the right person, right? Am I running an ad on an influencer page or working on um, working on a social media campaign or working on a search campaign, but I don't have any first-party data. So I'm just hoping that the right users searching the right keyword or you know joining the right influencer's TikTok page or Instagram page or uh, Facebook's doing the right targeting for the right users and hopefully they'll be able to get it right. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's a situation where um, you are spending a ton of the ad dollars testing in order to try to make it back out. And so instead of bur- letting you burn hundreds of thousands of dollars testing to try to find out the formula and, and reach those users, we already know who those users are. So we would save you the headache and the stress of having to kind of um, turn and burn your budget uh, to try to figure out uh, a workable model where we, we can we can plug and play it for you from the beginning to make sure it's workable starting at a starting point um, so that you don't lose money. No, it's definitely something to be appreciated because I know myself, I had a, for example, I had a meeting with a vendor the other day and they were, you know, name dropping. We've worked with Target, we've worked with Bose, Tito's, you know, like big, big brands. And they just kept sending um, the case studies, which um, for the project, it's a significant less budget than Target would have. (laughs) And I just thought that was kind of almost silly to send me that in a case study um, because it's like, okay, well, cool. I'm glad Target was able to achieve that level of success with you. Um, but I do appreciate it. I find it kind of refreshing that you did say that because I find a lot of brands and like vendors these days, they do kind of go for broke in the lack of a better way of saying it, that it does, you don't want to burn money. And I, I don't know. I was just really taken back by that because I had such a bad meeting the other day with that. Yeah, I mean, their, their, their initiative, their, their concept or thought process be, behind it is you have to just test it and test it and do learnings and learn. They call it learnings, right? So you mm-hmm. spend $50,000, you get some learning out of it. And then you go to the next 50000 you get some more learning out of it. But there's nothing to learn, right? If you, know, if you have the target of the user, you know exactly who you're targeting and you have the specs on the front end, it's just a matter of targeting the right users. So you have to have that first party data. That's why first party data is really critical. And the targeting is really critical um, when you're doing these types of ad campaigns, because you could blow $100,000 and not even get one sale Mm -hmm. uh, with a lot of these vendors. And they'll just say, oh, it's the learning, right? We don't guarantee you anything, but we can give you insights of what we've learned from the campaign. And I feel like it's, it's, it's completely like, not honest and it's it's not it's not the right thing to do right so and, and all, all you're doing is you're just you're just burning the brand that's all you're doing at the end of the day you're taking money out of their pnl and you're uh you're putting them in a position where they're not roi positive and they're not going to work with you in the future so you're just burning that relationship mm-hmm. no definitely i i uh i came out of that meeting almost offended <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
But I won't get into that because we'll be here for another uh, 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Um, so we definitely talked a, about a vast amount of subjects today, especially with ad media and everything that you guys offer. Um, just to kind of wrap up the end of our episode, is there anything you want to tell our listeners that we didn't mention prior? No, uh, just uh, you know, just uh, if anyone has any questions, thoughts, uh, suggestions, or any type of feedback, uh, always happy to get constructive feedback from any any of your uh, listeners. Amazing. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. We're so excited to have you on. We did have a really good conversation, and we hope you have a fabulous day. Yay.